From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, the keratoconus cataract trifecta. Patients came in with uh, high degrees of cylinder. Some patients had 10 diopters of cylinder. As a result of the COVID-19 crisis, the 2020 annual meeting of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery could not be held as originally planned. I'm going to devote a number of podcast episodes to speakers who had prepared presentations. Today, we hear from Eric Donenfeld on stepwise therapy for patients with keratoconus and visually significant cataract. Eric, when patients with keratoconus need rehab of their vision, particularly if they're people who don't tolerate or don't want to wear uh, rigid contact lenses, but are not so advanced that they actually need corneal grafts, there are a number of things that have to be dealt with. Um, The opacities uh, that develop as we get older, and what I'm talking about are cataracts, and also the abnormalities topographically of the cornea that can confound anything that we do during cataract surgery. Now, you've come up with a a sort of three-step methodology for managing these patients. Can I get you to talk about that? Well, the paper we present at ASCRIS is a paper in which we took patients who had cataracts and had keratoconus, and we gave them an option. We said, you know, so we can do your traditional cataract surgery and get you back to the vision that you had 15, 20 years ago while you just had keratoconus, or we can try to do a procedure that we can really rehabilitate you. And that would involve a three-step process to try and resolve their visual complaints. And the last step would obviously be the cataract surgery, but the first step would be to fix their cornea. And the idea was that if we could take modern technology and take these patients who've been visually handicapped all their lives and now have had a cataract added to their visual problems, and if we can improve their vision by cross-linking their corneas to strengthen the cornea, and then topographically laser the cornea to make the cornea more regular. And then once that's been accomplished, we can then go on at a later date to do a cataract surgery. We can take these patients who have been visually handicapped their entire lives and give them extraordinarily improved vision over anything they've had in the past. Eric, let me ask you for some context here. Have uh, these sorts of interventions in in sequence been been done previously, uh, or 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 is the assembly of all three of these things something novel? Well, Josh, there's a, a series of several papers that have looked at cross-linking and topographic lasers. As a matter of fact, we published one in the Journal of Cataract Refractive Surgery last year, which was the first series in the United States. But there have been studies out of Europe for a long time, and John Catalopoulos, one of my favorite people, uh, has done a series as well. But to my knowledge, no one has ever done a series of combining all three together, cross-linking, topographic laser, and cataract surgery. So this, to my knowledge, is the first series that's ever looked at this opportunity. So let me ask you to describe the design of this study. Well, the design of the study was to um, take patients who had keratoconus and cataract, who were coming in for cataract surgery predominantly, and give them the opportunity to do a procedure in which we could improve their cornea first and then the cataract surgery later on. 
know, there was a pretty long informed consent that was involved with this procedure because traditional cataract surgery is a 10 minute, 15 minute procedure followed by two weeks of healing and the patient's visually rehabilitated. This would be a three step process. So we had to inform the patients very carefully that we would cross link them first and then wait three months for the cross linking to be effective. Then we do a topographic laser on them, which would involve a PRK, which would involve another three months of healing. And then after six months of, uh, of waiting, we would then do the cataract surgery, which would be performed in a fairly normal manner. Very commonly, we'd explain to the patients that we would need to do a, top, a toric lens because we, there would be, still be residual astigmatism. And we also explain to the patients that we're not going to try, well, we're trying to give them the best uncorrected vision possible, but we certainly were not aiming for 20, 20 patients uncorrected. But if we could take these patients who had been wearing gas permeable contact lenses or soft lenses and had significant visual restrictions and give them good vision with thin glasses, we thought that that would be a good opportunity for the patients. And most of the patients where we offered them this, um, they were really readily willing to undergo the study. Now, Eric, um, I, um, I'm assuming that biometry wasn't done until three months after PRK, but even so, how did you manage lens calculations uh, in these very, very complicated corneas? Well, in keratoconus in general, you have more difficult uh, IOL calculations. Um, for these patients, we really relied upon the uh, topographic uh, keratometry. We also have to remember, we really weren't looking to do significant ablations on these patients. We just wanted to regularize the patient's cornea. We didn't want to treat their myopia in there, uh, significantly. So we weren't making, we weren't performing large myopic ablations. We were basically doing topographic lasers. And topographic lasers involve equal amount of steepening in the flat axis as flattening in the steep axis. So the, the, the net change in keratometry really wasn't that different. We were just reducing the cylinder and making the corneas more regular. Uh, most of the patients ended up within two diopters of emetropia, which was our goal. We also wanted to leave them a little bit myopic if possible. Tell me about the inclusion criteria for the study and the, and the, the, the number of uh, patients uh, that represented the series. Well, we enrolled 17 patients in the study, and the entrance criteria was a willingness to participate in the study, and also they had to be eligible to have topographic laser. Many patients with significant keratoconus, the, you, you can't obtain a good topographic image uh, with a wave light laser. So if we couldn't get a good image, we couldn't do a good treatment. So these were patients who were willing to undergo the trial, understood the limitations of how long it would take, we're willing to undergo a PRK and then, a, and then a, a, a later cataract surgery. And they also had to have a good image that was obtained from our topographic uh, uh, wavelength laser. Now, I'm sure even after um, the cross-linking and ablation that the astigmatism was not completely regularized. How much of the astigmatism did you choose to treat with the with toric lens? Well, we treated whatever we thought was um, suitable for that patient. Patients came in with uh, high degrees of cylinder. Some patients had 10 diopters of cylinder. And if we could reduce that cylinder down to five diopters with a topographic laser, we would then put a toric lens in to try to correct as much cylinder as possible. So uh, 
mean preoperative refractive cylinder before the cross-linking was seven diopters in the study, and mean cylinder after cross-linking, after topographic laser, and after toric lenses in many cases was 1.45 diopters. So you can see a very significant reduction in cylinder. That's that's fantastic. Tell me, I mean, since we're we're talking now about the the results, tell me what your your results were broadly from this study. Mean uncorrected vision preoperatively was twenty four hundred, uh, and uh, preoperatively in twenty eighty eight postoperatively. So it's a significant improvement in uncorrected vision. Uh, uh, but more importantly, best corrected vision preoperatively was twenty over eighty seven, increased to twenty over thirty four postoperatively. So, you know, very significant, statistically significant result um, in, in, improvement in, visual, in improvement in visual acuity. Some patients ended up actually with good uncorrected vision. They could actually see without glasses afterwards, which was extraordinary. But most of the patients were wearing glasses when we were all done. But most importantly, no patients had to wear a gastrointestinal contact lens afterwards. And most patients felt they could, they could function visually extremely well at the conclusion of the trial. Were there any adverse events that you observed. Now, I, I, I want to sort of separate things out. I mean, obviously, there can be adverse events during cataract surgery. They don't usually happen. There are risks with, with, with all of these, these, these things. But were there any adverse events that you found that were associated with the sequence of surgeries? Well, we know that cross-linking does have risks associated with it, as does uh, a PRK. You know, the risks that are associated with both of them are very similar. You have the risk of haze, you have the risk of infection, you have the risk of non-healing defects. Uh, in this trial, none of those patients had any of those problems. So there was no corneal scarring, there were no infections. Um, the patients obviously had discomfort. They had two different procedures in which the epithelium was uh, traumatized. They had the cross-linking, and then they had the uh, topographic laser. I perform a modified epithelium on cross-linking. So what I do is I take a Q-tip and I rub the cornea gently with the um, under top of anesthetic. And what that does is it basically just roughens up the corneal surface. And by doing this, it uh, allows the riboflavin to pass through into the stroma. Uh, so it's less risky, there's less risk of infection and, the, and there's less pain. Um, and our results, which we published two years ago showed that we got a very good result doing this uh, uh, modification of classic cross-linking, which I think makes the procedure safer and almost equally effective, I believe, as a epithelium off cross-linking. Well, this is great stuff. Is, is this now going to be your standard protocol for patients with cataracts and keratoconus, for patients with cataracts, keratoconus, but only with large cylinder, or, or is this not something that, that, that you're gonna be doing going forward? Well, you know, the, the number one criteria for these patients are there are many patients who have keratoconus who are extremely happy wearing gas permeable or scleral lenses. If the patient is happy wearing gas permeable contact lenses or scleral lenses, then there's, there's really no reason to do the cross-linking or the topographic laser as these patients are usually at the age where their keratoconus is not uh, progressing. So if a patient is happy with their contact lens rehabilitation, we just do the traditional cataract surgery and we move on from there. However, if a patient does not want to wear the contact lens or the patient is not able to wear the contact lens, then this is my procedure of choice for these patients as long as they understand 
uh, the risks and benefits and the prolonged rehabilitation that's associated with it. The patient has to be very, very uh, patient because it's a much longer healing than we're accustomed to in ophthalmology. But in my experience, these patients were all very mo motivated and were gladly willing to sacrifice the six months it took for them to be rehabilitated to allow them to see clearly for the rest of their lives. Eric, this is wonderful stuff. I'm, I'm so happy that, that you, 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 you brought this, this to us. Uh, it, it's, it's really neat how um, these different surgeries can be used uh, as ingredients uh, sort of to, to, to produce the result that we want. Uh, I just want to thank you for the generosity of your time with me today. Josh, it's always wonderful working with you and you do a great job. So we thank you on behalf of all of ophthalmology for your wonderful podcasts. Eric Donenfeld is clinical professor of ophthalmology at the New York University School of Medicine and is in practice at OCLI Vision in Garden City, New York. Ask questions of Dr. Donenfeld or any of our previous guests or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As Seen From Here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.